When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. David Crosby this week. It's a bummer. This is uh, laughing. Oh, if I could only remember my name. David Crosby's first solo album. Hold on, I'll put you up, Zuckerman. That's right. 1971. February of 1971. On Atlantic Records. You know who else sang on that? Jody Mitchell. Wow, you know a lot about this, Zuckerman. Joni Mitchell. Stephen Stills. Um, Neil Young, Graham Nash, quite a group. Also members of Jefferson Airplane and Santana. I absolutely love David Crosby, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Deja Vu is probably the greatest, one of the top ten albums of all time. It was probably the first album I bought in the seventh grade. I like Four Way Street, but I remember, I'm going to fade this out, I remember going over to my friend Andy Splitz's house. Uh, from West Bridgewater, Massachusetts, when I was probably uh, my son James, age 12 or so. And he lived in the basement, which I thought was cool. He's like, I don't have a bedroom. They let me take over the basement, right? So it was an unfinished basement with a bed, and it had a uh, record player. And he said, you want to listen to some music? And I'm like, yeah, I'll listen to some music. And he put on some Neil Young. And uh, it, it, that was it. I was done. It really stuck with me. I was like, this, guy's no, this guy know how, knows how to live. And he splits. <laughs> he's living in a basement, and he's got a record player, and he's got great music. And that, from that moment on, I have been a Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young fan. And uh, David Crosby dying at age of 81 was a legitimate bummer for me. It bummed me out a couple days ago when it happened. Although, in theory, if a cat has nine lives, he was on his third or fourth cat. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, oh, he's, yeah, yeah. He so outlived his his sell by date. You know, in a in the manicured and PR'd world of rock stars, uh, David Crosby was refreshingly outspoken. Here are a list of some of his <laughs> worst things. Because <laughs> he really had it. He was a, I knew you would enjoy kid. this, Suckerman. Yeah. Uh, about Neil Young, he said he's uh, probably the most self-centered, self-obsessed, selfish person I know. He only thinks about Neil, period. That's, That's so the only pe- person he'll uh, consider ever. He said that in 2021. And, w- and when we saw him out at Bill's, Neil Young, right, with his electric yeah. Cadillac, I thought about going over to say hi and, you know, and telling him what, what, what his music meant to me. And then I looked at him and I went, eh, I'm not sure he's going to take that the right way. And I right. backed away. Now I'm glad I did. Um, David Crosby said of Bob Dylan, of whom he was actually a huge fan, my first thought was, well, shit, I can sing better than that. <laughs> uh, Graham Nash. Um, you know, he gave the impression of looking after me, but apparently that was all just trying to keep the money coming. But there you go. We haven't talked for a couple of years and I'm not going to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. I'm not happy with him at all. To me, that's all ancient history, man. Okay. <laughs> You got the Daryl Hannah. This is so fun. There's pages of this stuff. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, haven't yeah. heard half of these quotes. The Doors and Jim Morrison <laughs> yeah. basically sucked. 
<laughs> guitar and drums, pretty okay. Keyboard was awful. His bass with the left hand was abysmal, horrible. Square wheel, bad. And Morrison was no effing good as a singer or poet or poser. Sorry. That's 2019. He decided to lay, <laughs> lay set history straight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, these are great quotes. This is, it's, it's wild. The Rolling Stones. I think the major mistake was taking what was essentially a party and turning it into an ego game and a star trip of the Rolling Stones who qualify in my book as snobs. I think they're on a grotesque negative ego trip, essentially, especially the two leaders. <laughs> Phenomenal. Phenomenal. We could just do a whole Dave Crot. There's so much more of this stuff. Uh, Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> just M-E-H I don't know about that I mean, it's like That's fantastic Incredibly gifted he, guitarist He, I he mean, did something like 79,000 tweets like this I, uh, I don't These aren't tweets These are just I think it's, all, quotes. it's all quotes from the Stern show But that's fantastic yeah. Kanye West Music He's an idiot and a poser He has no talent at all <laughs> I don't even know what. Then he says, someone needs to drive West over to Stevie Wonder's house right now so he understands what a real rock star is. <laughs> Send him all of Ray Charles' catalog so he can learn how to sing. And he said that apparently over multiple years. He just said that a lot. <laughs> and there were a lot of insults, too, of people who had done oil paintings of him where he would just tweet out, don't quit your day job. It doesn't even look like me. Um uh, then uh, so stre good. streaming companies, believe me, man, it's going to hurt the music business very badly in the long run. If you shut the door on all the young people who are trying to become musicians, the music industry is making a terrible mistake. Streaming companies are stealing. They are thieves. And heaven itself recently, this January 18th, 2023, I heard the place is overrated. Cloudy. <laughs> that, that was the day before uh, he passed. The day before he. We should passed. have had him on the show. That's some. <laughs> I I always wanted to meet him, and uh, yeah, you know our mutual friend Jeff Greenberg, yeah. who was who got married recently, and who has uh, the owner of the Village Recorder, who's recorded everyone from the Hendrix to the Beatles to Lizzo and everybody else. Said David was coming, but he didn't come. I went, I went to the wedding reception, and that's the only person I wanted to talk to. Well, aside from the bride and groom, of oh, course. Of course. And all the lovely course. people there, and uh, he wasn't there. Anyways. There's a strange coda to the story. Yes. His, uh, Crosby's best friend in the 60s and 70s was a guy by the name of Gut Turk, a former Hells mm -hmm. Angels. Uh, Hunter Thompson wrote about him in a book. Um, you know, there is the terrible saga of Hell's Angels. He became a merry prankster. He hung out with the dead. He was Crosby's best friend. They both had boats and sailed the South Pacific together. Um, they died on the same day, but five years apart. Really? Yeah. So before, um, they had lost touch with each other for many, many years. And the uh, my partner, uh, uh, Bo Bushnell, had found Gut Turk and then reunited them about, uh, say, seven or eight years ago. Oh, no kidding. David yeah. Crosby. Yeah. And wow. It was, a, it was a really moving moment. Uh, and, yeah, so they died. Do you think they made some sort of pact to die on the same day? I mean, <laughs> just strange coincidence. It is I don't a strange think, coincidence. It doesn't mean anything, I don't think, <laughs> other than it's, that's just some weird stuff. That is so. Weird. I read his obituary in the Times, and the craziest thing to me was in the early seventies, Crosby had and lived on a seventy-four foot boat, which seems was, like a wait, really big. Wait, boat. Okay, but you know who bought him that boat? No, Peter Tork of the no Monkees and yeah. the toilet tissue family. <laughs> you know, uh, Crosby was not very good with money. Right. He was much better at doing drugs in that time period sure. of his life, and he managed to get lots of people to kind of uh, help him out along the way. And the funny thing about the Bob Dylan mention is, is that I think it no, I was going to say it was Dylan who bought him the kidney, the liver, but it was actually Phil Collins <laughs> bought him his liver. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The, it's strange. It's, I think boats were big, big back then because uh, when Tony Dow was on the show, he lived on a boat for a long time. I think that was like the idea of making it if you lived in uh, California, you live on a big boat. But that's a big boat. I mean, 74 feet is a big yes. boat. Yeah. Then, well, back that's, then especially. Yeah. You don't ever go out on it. You just kind of leave it. Well, he sailed all over the South Pacific. Wow. Yeah. Really yeah. Tony Dow had a penguin. 
a pet penguin. <laughs> Jim Rockford lived in a trailer in a parking lot in front of the ocean, which I thought was much better. Matlock lived in a treehouse. <laughs> Batman lived in a cave <laughs> with a right. strange. We're going to talk about cars. butler. <laughs> I promise you. Uh, but first, let's do an ad. Hey, Johnny. Yes. This ad actually comes with a gift oh, uh, to you right here. The Beard Hedger Pro kit from our friends at Manscaped. Breaking news. They now sell beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit from a beard trim to a fresh save. The technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products and make your drapes match your carpet by going to the manscaped.com and using Spike 20 for 20% off. What's in there, Johnny? What do you see? I see there's a beard trimmer, beard oil, beard conditioner, beard <laughs> balm, beard shampoo, a horse hair brush, but most importantly, a horse hair brush. Most importantly, a beard comb. And is that useful? I have like four of these. These are the greatest. Yeah, they're fantastic. Is that what you rake the food and yeah. filth out yeah. with that, and the, and the little the little lice eggs? What come is the, out. What does the beard oil do? It just makes your beard softer. But this is great because I've been growing my hair and my beard out. I was kind of going for late Jim Morrison, and I think I skipped ahead to Jerry Garcia. Well, that's good. Well, they were really, they were very excited to gift you that. And if Uh you guys want your own, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code Spike20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use code Spike20. Check out our link tree for all of our sponsors and the... Uh, call to action and the percentages off that we give you. Um, also on the show, I forgot to mention, is the uh, the CEO of Ducati North America, Jason uh, Chinnick. And we uh, did an interview with him yesterday, and we'll, we'll play that in a second, too. But let's talk, uh, let's talk cars. Cars. There's a lot going on. By the way, I asked... Uh, I asked the AI to write the opening of the show. Oh, good. Today. And it did a really good job. <laughs> did it really? Yeah. Yeah. If this, I had this chat, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The chat bot, which is, uh, it's going to, el- I can see how it can eliminate 80% of writing right now oh, that's on the internet. Easily. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think there've already been sites that have been using it and <coughs> people didn't even notice. Right. Because the writing wasn't that special, but a lot of it's busy work. But so listen to this. This is what it wrote. I said, uh, write me an introduction uh, and a welcome to the show for the Spikes Car Radio podcast. All right. You ready? Welcome to Spikes Car Radio, the ultimate destination for gearheads, car enthusiasts, and anyone who loves the thrill of the open road. Join me, Spike First, and the legendary writer and producer behind <laughs> hit shows like Seinfeld and Talk Show with Spike First, and as I take you on a journey through the world of cars, from the latest models and designs to the history and culture of the automobile, Spikes Car Radio is your one-stop shop for all things automotive. So rev your engines and get ready for an unforgettable ride with Spike's Car Radio. That's not bad. It's a B plus. B plus, you know. <laughs> it's full of cliches. Rev your engines. Rev, you got to get rid of that. <laughs> yeah. But you probably wouldn't call yourself legendary. My wife now is so paranoid that every nice thing I say to her is chatbot, a whatever it is, the open what uh, open source Chat, chatbot. GTP, but, but it is, right? I mean, no, it's not. Oh. Really. I've been sometimes, but now I've ruined my life. Every, every nice thing I do, she's like, is that chatbot. How'd she find out? You? I told her. Oh. I, I always oh, make okay. that mistake. Yeah, yeah Zuckerman, tell him. <laughs> but this is pretty good, <laughs> right? admit to anything. Wouldn't you as a writer go, all right, here, give me a, like so much of writing is rewriting. I, G- I, give me something and I'll, and I'll look at it and I'll make it my own. So I, I, make I actually, when that came out, see if I have it, I wrote a, a comparison test uh, using that chatbot. Mm-hmm. And it nailed, I don't know if I have it. It nailed the, um, I don't have it, but it nailed the intro paragraph. It was fantastic. It was, a, right. it, was it was like a, I forget what it was, like a Z and a super or something like that. It was just it, like totally boilerplate. This is what like 90% of car reviews on the internet look like exactly right. And then it really struggled to like explain why uh, a stick shift was better or worse than an automatic. It really, it broke down with like a human sensory thing, but it got the setup completely right. Did did you, uh, let's talk about cards. Do you guys happen to see this uh, Chris Harris thing on Instagram? Mm-hmm. Yes. Let me see if I can play it for the audience Little here. Boys in pen. If it'll play. Hello there. I don't often do this, but I'm going to explain why a car of mine is for sale at the moment. Uh, you might see that on Collecting Cars, my 992 GT3 Touring is for sale. Now at this point, can you hear that? 
this point, I thought he was talking about which is the better car and which is not the mm-hmm. better car, right? He was on the show talking about it, and I thought I was going to go. I, I was really interested in why he was selling one or the other. This isn't a great big flounce, per se, and it's not a statement of the fact that I don't like the car. I think it's a fantastic motor car. But I said at the outset that I didn't have space in my shed financially or emotionally for two cars that do the same thing. All right, I'm with you there, too. Uh, we just let our GT3 Touring go, and we have other cars coming in, right? And one of them had to go, and it's the yellow car that stays because I have a, a really strong emotional attachment to it. And actually, on UK roads, I do prefer the 991 to the 992 to that answer to that question. I still think the 992 is great, but there are other issues with it that aren't about the way it drives. I'm struggling with the cabin, I, the cup holder thing doesn't work. It all so far. He doesn't like the cup holder. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible cup holder, especially if you got a manual. That's not a reason to sell a car. They've never had a good cup holder in a 911, mind Okay, you. let's keep listening, though. Well, probably me, but there you go. The car's for sale. And I want to tell you why I'm selling it the way I am. It's not just because I'm connected to collecting cars. Um, I asked Porsche whether I could buy a GT4 RS because I think the car's fantastic, and they said yes. And uh, it didn't really happen, and I, I don't really know why, but I, they offered me a car at the last minute, and then it wasn't quite what they said it was, and in the end, we, we couldn't really agree on it. And, um, and I hate to say that felt I was treated pretty poorly and they were very rude to me at, uh, at Reading and um, that's the way it is and that's not a oh woe is me that's in response to a lot of people saying that well Porsche would never be rude to Harris don't worry they're rude to me as well so there you go that yes. was shocking to me I couldn't believe that because I don't know as far as automotive journalists Chris Harris has to be probably my number one yes right? Nice. Number one. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. I'm, I'm not sitting here. No, you're uh, you're a respected car journalist. <laughs> but I, as far as our heroes, you yes. have to go he can, into the top. He can drive. He can speak. He can drive. He can speak. He speaks right to us. He yes. he nails his job. He nails his job. Can. Right. But there's yeah. no one really <laughs> bigger than. I know this great lawyer. I know another. Right. Go ahead. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, but you would do a different job than him. That's what I'm saying. Hey, man, just want to let you know that sometimes you got to shut the fuck up. You gotta shut the fuck up. And this current time is just one of those times you got to shut the fuck up. As I was saying. Oompa, loompa, doompa dee doo. Shut the fuck up. Leave him in two. Do you think, why, why wouldn't Porsche go out of their way to take care of this guy? I don't, I don't understand that. Well, so my question is though, isn't that, isn't he complaining about a dealership, not Porsche, the corporation? No. Probably both. I would, I, I read that as both. Okay. Both Reading as a dealership, right? Yeah. And I believe I'm going to, I'm making the assumption when he says Reading, he's referring to a dealership. Yes. I well, made he's, that same assumption. Does yeah. he drive a right hand drive car? He does. Right? Yeah. Yes. yeah he's he in does. the UK. So yeah. there's a thing between the factory and between the dealership as we deal with these issues as well. But he's saying Porsche. I, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, but that's you and me. But now we have Porsche Clearwater taking care of us you know you would think just if porsche the company was going to take care of one guy it would be chris harris i mean he's such a big he's such a great ambassador for the brand who who do you think is the greatest car journal out there chris harris i I, I don't know i'd say well excluding yourself excluding yourself of course i'm a jethro fan i I think i think jethro is very good he's terrific yeah he's terrific i would just say Jethro. but is jethro up in the zone is jeremy clarkson a a guy like that no one's on the zone of jeremy clarkson i mean you know um will will jeremy make a 81 like david crosby Oh yeah, I mean only the good die young, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, but um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm just curious. Like I could see Porsche not look. There's lots of people that want the GT4 RS, blah blah blah. I'm just it sounds to me like he's complaining about a dealer and he's conflating it with Porsche the corporation. He's too smart to do that. I agree with you mm. that in somebody else's. A lay person would conf- conflate and confuse the dealership with the factory. I can't imagine Harris doing. That. Yeah, maybe I don't know, but you know, I mean, look, weird, weird things happen all the time. You know, I, car companies love you until the moment they don't. What I do like about Harris's comment is he's being a little petulant, and he has to say, "I'm not really being petulant. This yeah, isn't the most yeah, important thing yeah, in the world." Yeah, yeah, but. At the moment, yeah. it is the most yeah. important thing in the world. And you should say, Chris, you should say, at this moment, at this particular moment, this is really fucking pissing me off more than anything. 
It is. Yeah. It yeah. Is. And I think he's, he has a right to be mad. And, and you Here's know. the platform. It's always funny. Yeah, you have followers. You have the ability when, you know, United Airlines screws you to get out there and complain. <laughs> and there are many things that I would not uh, tweet or uh, put on Instagram as a complaint. I always stop. I don't want to be that person. But in this particular case, the Porsche, I think, we, in fact, we've even done it on this show. We go, why... We're here. We're helping your brand. We're we're connecting the people who also are passionate about your brand, right? Why why are you helping us a little more do that? And I and uh, forget about us. Help help Chris Harris get a car. I'd be surprised if they haven't done that already. Well, they're not going to react to it. I mean, they're they're going to reward bad behavior. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's the position. Yeah. They, I, w- I, I don't know that it's bad behavior just so much as they're asleep at the wheel. As as you know, Zuckerman, I think you will agree. The moron stupidity quotient, if that's the right word, is yes. is the higher bullshit. in our culture than it's ever been in history. The Peter principle is in full effect. So I right? would say so. there, there's a probably 20% of the Porsche employees are morons. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly the person who talked here prob- might not even know, uh, know who Chris Harris is. And and, made a bit, and it could have been a Germanic thing. Is this is not the way it works. Yeah. Put to the back of the line with you. Go to the back of the queue. And, and look, <laughs> the, other, the, the other thing is, like, you know, he said they did offer him one. It wasn't exactly precisely yeah, what, what he mean? wanted. Well, well, well. He, got, he, was getting, he was getting Mickey Mouse run around, fucked around. Yeah. Well, you're going to get this. No, you're going to get that. You're going to get this. Yeah. It, well, it does come across like, I'm, you're like well, I have two GT3s. I'm selling one because I don't have room. Just kidding. I'm actually trying to get I like a GT4. That. You guys relate to that, but to most people, it really does sound like, wow, wow, wow. Look, you just got to be yourself. And he countered. He said hey, that. You got to yeah. be yourself, whoever you are. I, if your pro- biggest problem is two GT3s, I want to hear about it. I'm fine with that. that I'm just. Let me tell you what Porsche is doing right, Johnny. <laughs> before I play that little yeah, song ahead. again. Go ahead. That I debuted with you, and now I'm using against you, which is making me so happy. It's so much fun. Just give me a button. Here's something they are doing, Johnny, that uh, is good. Porsche has long offered modern infotainment systems for older models. Now they have a, a new release for their much-loved mid-2000s models, the new Porsche Classic Communication Management Plus um, with Apple CarPlay, CarPlay and Android Auto functionality for the first time Sirius XM for your 997, 911, mm. 987 Porsche Boxster. Cayman's built between 2008 and 2005 and the Cayenne yeah. uh, built between 2003, 2008. This will improve your life. <laughs> We have these in these, Zuckerman and I have had these in the cars. Jerry put them in, not us. And we were skeptical and they improve your life. They, they, gonna, they look good. They look period correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, the surprising part. Yeah. That's, that's the shocker. Yeah. And they also, I find it, it enhances and makes my drives better now. Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, I have a friend with uh, Cayenne and she was already, she sent me a thing. She's like, are these any good? It looks great. I'm like, yeah, they should do everything they say. Yeah. Why not? So, no. You know what else you should do? No. Try this. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> try this product called Athletic Greens. That's right. Do you want better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system, and do you hate taking pills? How about a supplement that tastes great? Want to see what the hype is all about? Check it out. Athletic Greens. What is it? One scoop of AG1. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole-source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your uh, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all those things. And as you know, uh, I have it in my uh, offices. We have it down here at the Hangar 56 office. We have it uh, at the Netflix office. And uh, we prefer to snort it. No. I thought you took it in a suppository. (laughs) I I put it in a pipe and I smoke it. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Check it out. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five tree tra- uh, travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athletic greens slash spike 911 again that's athleticgreens.com slash spike 911 to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance they didn't send me any ag1 for you johnny oh it's okay but i'll get you some i'm fine 
just you drink know, Re- beer. Reggie. Oh, Reggie look at, is look at no, Yeah, Reggie loves that stuff. Yeah. Reggie loves all supplements. Uh, Jason Chinnick is coming up in a minute. Uh, uh, CEO of... Uh, Ducati North America also said uh, he knew you, Johnny. Yes. And uh, he, he said he doesn't, he, Johnny doesn't like to talk about motorcycles. No, I find them very, very boring. <laughs> but he also but, worked at Lamborghini for a short time. That's where I met him from. Yeah, and I'm sure is. this interview is fascinating. It's just a personal thing with me. It was fun. I, no, I really like this guy. He's going to come on the show. I'm going to bring him in. Oh, the, yeah? Uh, yeah, they were at Bike Shed Moto last night um, doing a big event. Have you any, anybody been down to Bike Shed no. Motor yet? Soho House for motorcycles. We should do. Have it. not. Should visit with what was his name? Nice guy. Nice guy. Funny guy. Well, oh yeah. Oh, oh, we yeah. did a show with him. He had a, he had a yeah, funny Duke name. Or Zets. Duke or Butch or Zets. 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 <laughs> hey, Strummer. Yeah, no, his name came up. That's right. And uh, we do have to get down there. I think they gave us honorary memberships down there. Did they? Dutch. Dutch, there, there you go. go. Yeah, that's who it is. It's Dutch. Um, wondering what happens to all those cars destroyed by California's floods? They Here's- end up in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They're getting the, they get their they get their titles washed. Here's where they are headed. Alabama. Well, do you know where they're headed? Somewhere where they will not have salvage titles, and, th- and they can be sold back to unwitting some of customers. them. Some of them are salvage titles. Others uh, go to used car dealers. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there was an article in the LA Times saying you got to protect yourself. And it's pretty easy to do that. Do you know how you protect yourself against these cars? Apparently, there are a lot of California flood cars. We're now a state like Texas or where uh, there was another state in the south that had a lot of floods. Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi. Right, right. right. And now California cars, which used to be, you know, Cal- gold standard. The gold standard for dryness is now wetness. <laughs> can you believe that? But simple, simple things you can do, like Carfax, of course. That's it, Zuckerman. Zuckerman's on wow. fire. If this were a game show, you would be our leader today. <laughs> I had Crosby's liver. I you, feel I had. I had. You had the year for that album, which is very impressive. This is an album I didn't even know really existed until I was looking around and going, oh, yeah, that's right. He did four solo albums. At the time, it was panned, and now it's considered a classic. I listened to every song on it, and I might disagree with that, but I did like the song that I played. Um, Okay, yeah, you're right. Carfax is the first thing you should do. Check an auto's history. Such products will show the status of a car's title and should include other pertinent information. Um, Secondly, oh. this is what the well, go ahead. Uh, what's the state that fair is like adamant about? I think it's Florida. Like yeah. never buy a car. No, me Georgia. Is it Georgia? Mine. I don't buy cars from Georgia. No, it's it's like Virginia, Florida. Florida. It's got to be Florida. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Alabama has. Do you remember when John, my uh, business partner in Hangar Fifty Six, got that? Uh, that military truck. What is it? The oh, Hummer. The Hummer. The Humvee. H1. Yeah, the military Humvee. I'm. I then he showed up with a Montana plate, and then said, "I don't even think you can get that a Montana plate with a Humvee military spec." And he goes, "No, it's a." He goes, "That's Alabama." I think there was some connective tissue to some state in the South where they really give no they, f's. They, and they also say New Hampshire, uh, traditionally New Hampshire didn't yeah. give an f. Yeah, and you could have very questionable yeah. title from New sure. Hampshire, but they sure. tried to clean that up. A bit. But that thing had bullet holes in it. I mean, that really was not supposed to be on the road. And then, hey, we were driving it around Brentwood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crashed once or twice, if I recall. I met. I put. Dudes. Well, the oh. kids, the kids were in it. John and I were heading down to the Long Beach Grand Prix a few years ago, and when the kids were younger, they said, "Of course, while you're gone, Dad, can we play in the Humvee?" It was in the driveway. And I said, sure, just make sure the nanny keeps an eye on you. All right. And uh, we're ha- we're just about to make that last left turn at the Long Beach Grand Prix. And the nanny calls and goes, the kids were in the back of the Humvee playing Army and it started rolling. And I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> they were in the back. It started rolling and now it's blocking the street. And I go, is everybody okay? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They jumped off when it started rolling, but what do I do? (laughs) And uh, it was such a fun phone call. I'm like, okay, you know, Christine, whatever your name is, today's the day you learn how to drive a military Humvee. And we got her in the, into the designer's credit, you know, 
we, there were lots of starting switches and buttons and things. She she backed that thing right up. Yeah, there's no key. There's just like a great. little flip yeah, a little down lever thing that and cranks it. Yeah, it's very intimidating when you first sit down in it, but then it's really a lamb and it's really steers really well. I wonder where that truck is. That was a great little truck. Go ahead. What? I just met these dudes that got the. They were like, uh, they got the Katrina cleanup uh, contract from the right. government to like get rid all the cars, like like just take all the cars and just crush them, bury them, whatever. And they were like, you know, just a, a small family that then suddenly had like matching flame job dualies, towing flame job jet skis. Like they just became overnight gazillionaires from wow. having to clean up all the Katrina cars and like, and you know, if it was a kind of a nice car, you know, the title got washed. And this was all in Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah. the other thing they recommend is have a professional take a look at it because um, <laughs> it will smell. <laughs> They're saying it's smelly. This is the LA Times writing. And then they end with this line, which cracked me up. In the end, with used car dealers, uh, there's a hope that they will operate ethically. There is a hope. And applause and laughter. That's right. Yeah. There yeah. is a hope. There's a hope, but that right. will never happen. In, in other shocking news, uh, Harley Davidson is announcing they will go all electric, said their CEO. Um, Harley Davidson is planning to phase out motorcycles powered by its storied internal combustion engines and will slowly but surely transform into an all electric brand, said Jochen Zeitz. After 120 years of being famous for their big gas-powered engines, uh, electrification is the logical next step. That is the company plan, and we plan on sticking around for another 120 years. I think if they go all electric, I don't think they'll be around for another 120 years. Maybe not even 120 days. Well, I think the... uh, It's the right move, but for the wrong company. But look, they had the live wire, right? Yeah. Harley brand did not properly kind of line up with the live wire uh, buyer. So they spun the damn thing off and made a separate company called live wire. Yeah. Right. Cause Harley guys aren't going in going, show me that new electric bike. You got right. They're I, not doing that. I just think the problem is that the Harley, the average Harley guy, they're like 66 years yeah. old now. So yeah. there's, there's no point in, in developing a new generation because you're just not, there's no one coming up to take it. Nobody wants a Harley. I think of any company that could go electric and not really work. It would be this one. Their, right. their, fair, whole, fair. their history is just rum, tough rum, rum, guy. Rum. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I don't know what you have when you have an electric Harley lineup, unless you can find a way to do a hybrid of some kind. But you know, like Harley riders, right? It's like yeah. old dudes or like German tourists that want to like, you know, Experience get the, the Americana, Americana and they wear like too much leather and like sweat to route death Route 66. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We took Route yeah, 66. Yeah, we did Route yeah. 66. Check it's out really... my wife's tits. Yeah. <laughs> we're not polluting. <laughs> yeah. We're eco-friendly. Check out my wife's guns. It, it doesn't can... work. It love, does not this work. This is the time for them to sell the company to someone else, <laughs> cash out, move on. Yeah, and continue to make just d- double down on the right bikes. Just double yeah, down. They must. They must have seen something like, "Look, all our customers are dead or dying." I don't agree with that. I mean, I think there are younger customers too. I hear Not what you're enough. saying about the older ones, but um, but I'm saying there must have. There must be some internal calculus going on where they said, "Man, we we gotta." Haven't they, Harley Davidson, just historically just gone bankrupt over and over yes, again? Yes, when it was, remember, AMF and all of yeah, these yeah, other the right. AMF years. But this is another if, one of those movies. If, if you're 25 years old and you want a cool bike, you're going to get a Ducati, aren't you? Isn't that the move? Or something that's not a Harley. I mean, Harley's like your grandfather's yeah. bike. I am still, you know, I think you buy multiple bikes when you like bikes a lot, like me. And I would get a Harley. <laughs> I, I would totally, but I'm old. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Um, I just, uh, why not synthetic fuels? Why not some other idea? I, right now, synthetic fuels $1,000 a gallon. You know, the hydrogen's a non-starter. And, and as you know, electric bikes are kind of great. I mean, yes, they, the, the other thing that's crazy about Harley's but, is... Let's go, stop right there for one second, because he said something interesting. Electric bikes are great when they are cool looking and different they're great like i i did like the live wire but i thought it was too ordinary motorcycle looking do you know what i'm saying yeah. when i look at uh, storm saunders deal the metacycle which we're getting in a week it it, it looks different right 
do you hear what I'm saying about that? Like when you know, when I look at Teslas and Rivians and I look at these Lucids, I look at a new kind of vehicle, uh, something that looks like a Harley with an electric doesn't really make it for me. No. They'd have to create some new things. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't either. I, I mean, I'm it's skeptical just, of this. It's, it's just that, you know, like when they look at developing a new generation of engines, which they're probably looking at as part of this, right? Yep. There's a lot of money it takes to do that or a motor and a battery. Like your the cost to build the bikes drops, you know, so even if they sell less, they're more profitable. So um, uh, he said it could take decades. Maybe yeah, this okay. is just a cover. We're looking at sometime after 2033, which is in 10 years. Oh, then they're just trying to get a government contract or, or easily sort of loan. Yeah, yeah. But change is coming. Sure. But I won't be there. <laughs> and neither will the customers. They'll Uh-oh. all be in their coffins. We have Jason Chinnick in a Flame second. Flame coffins. Jason yeah. Chinnick from Ducati, one of our favorite motorcycle companies. Um, and you have, uh, you want to review that Rivian in a second after I do this ad? Sure. Let's do that. All right. Let's talk about uh, Snap-on Tools, our newest sponsor. Hello, Snap-on. Today's episode is brought to you in part by makers and fixers of Snap-on. The makers and fixers keep the world moving. You'll find them in the factories skies, repair shops, roads, and rails, building and maintaining practically everything and anything you can imagine. Makers and fixers are the backbone of this country. Oh, what's uh, what's the noise back there? That sounds like Richard and your oh, son. He's talking. Oh, yeah. Is he, They're going is he taking a dump? Oh, come on. <laughs> With Spike's son? Yes, I hope so. <laughs> They're the backbone of the country. Automotive and collision, aviation and aerospace, general equipment, marine, motorcycle, motorsport, military and defense, masonry, manufacturing, CNC and machining, mining students and instructors in any of these industries. Zuckerman, are you a maker or a fixer? What do you work on in your house? Anything? Are you a fixer? What was the last little thing you fixed? Be serious. Some eggs. Some eggs. Okay. Yeah. Johnny? <laughs> I uh, what did I do? I unscrewed a uh, something with a little miniature screw. And you know what I did? Hmm. I fixed, oh yeah, I fixed I know my heater, <laughs> yeah. which then broke the next day. But I got us through the night. The makers and fixers—they're not only the—they not only made your car, they keep it running and help you make it awesome. Theirs is not a job; it's a calling. They want to hear from you too. Snap On wants to hear from you guys. Share your story. Go to makersandfixers.com/spikescarradio and check out the Makers and Fixers on Instagram account. Uh, they want to check. Uh, they want to hear your stories and they want to post about your stories. So there you go. Some free publicity for you makers and fixers. Makersandfixers.com slash Spikes Car Radio. When we talked about the Rivian, by the way, they haven't caught a crazy Tesla pipe guy yet. <laughs> I think the police made an announcement that they kind of know who it is, but they haven't caught him. This It's very frustrating, too, because if you watch any of the video, his face is very visible. And he looks like a cop. So he, maybe that's why they know him. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's but, me. He, and he's attacked nine ladies, <laughs> and every one of them has video of him. And I mean, the freeze frame is like a headshot for yeah. a guy who's auditioning for a movie or something. Yeah, it shouldn't be hard to for to ID this guy. And Tesla should be able to help out. Like, yeah, we know that car. A lot of people have said that. Yeah. Now, if we wouldn't want to know. I don't think Tesla's keeping the data. They're keeping oh, it. They know, they know who did this because yeah. they get reports of when there's an yeah. impact. And well, not only that, they're working on full self-driving. They're, they're monitoring every car doing everything. Yeah. And with a four, with an inside camera, isn't there a camera inside? The yes. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could see him prepping his pipe, <laughs> <laughs> going, hmm, am I going to attack that lady or that guy? <laughs> pipe polishing. Zuckerman, show us how you prep a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine, Zuckerman, if you, if you came into contact, you're on the 10, right? Or, or let's say you're heading down right now, and this guy, you give him the look, and he stops your car and gets out with a pipe. What are you going to do? Run his fucking ass over <laughs> Because well, I'm not sitting there waiting to get assaulted. Okay, if here's the this is a, you know, and I found my wife was saying, well, "Do I have the right to run that guy over?" Yeah, she yeah. said, "I would just run him over." You do. Somebody is go- is going to cause you bodily harm. It's a threat to your life. But you're in your car. You're locked. It's yeah. what is it, you know? It's it's what is a reasonable person under those circumstances? And I think if someone's coming at you with a pipe, wielding a pipe, <laughs> I think that. You, you, Defending yourself, it's Professor some, Plum, <laughs> so taking some sort of action is, is arguably warranted. You're going to get away with that one. 
I wonder what it, why he chose the pipe because he uses it multiple times. But what what is it about Just the easy pipe? Easy to store in the car, I you know, know. But why not a monkey wrench or a baton? Or he's got a Tesla. He he's should- got a reason. Probably when he was a kid, his father beat him with a length of pipe, but now now he's reliving his childhood. Projecting, yeah. you know, he wants something big in his hands. Do you want to know what he does for a living? That he can buy a Tesla. He's a I cop. Re- huh? I, I bet you he's a. It turns out he's a nope. cop. LAPD. Is going to be buying Teslas. I don't oh, think he's going to be LAPD. I've met some cops that roll up and like when they're off duty, they roll up in seven series. And I'm like, huh? They're, you know, I mean, come on. Oh, yes. Anyway, I hung out with uh, Jason Chinnick, who's the CEO of Ducati North America. Uh, Ducati sent over the brand new 2023 Street Fighter V2, which is an amazing bike. It's in my garage. Uh, we chatted about, uh, here's what I think you guys are going to love about Jason. He started, uh, as, uh, working behind the parts counter in a Colorado Ducati dealership. I love that. And he worked his way up to CEO of that's, North America. Uh, that's wild. And, uh, this is my interview with him. Jason, Spike Furston. Yes, Spike. How are you? I'm doing well, and yourself? I'm okay. It's very nice to meet you. I'm uh, the show is a very big uh, uh, a fan of your product, and uh, I'm very excited to chat with you. Are you, you said you were in Santa Monica? Yes, I'm in Santa Monica day today. I uh, actually just got in late last night and getting ready for our event uh, tonight at the bike shed in LA. Okay, and 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 tell us about that. It, this is the Ready for Red Ducati 18 City cross-country tour that is correct actually uh we launched this i think it's probably five or six years ago now with just one year off for obvious reasons uh when we weren't allowed to gather in public but Mm -hmm. uh this came as a as an idea of mine following kind of what was happening with the motorcycle shows uh and as a as a brand as you know like the car shows or these expos it became very difficult for us to activate properly and really to be able to represent our brand in a correct way where it wasn't just looking like we had a bunch of products sitting out there on a, you know, a, a expo carpet, which is, can be quite boring. So we came up with a different concept where we said, you know, instead of limiting ourselves to the nine cities that this thing can go to, I could probably take the same resources that we have and have a much better reach across the country. And instead of just having bikes on display that we actually get a chance to create an experience and a show and an event for people. And, you know, motorcycling isn't just transportation. I mean, really, it's entertainment for people uh, and an opportunity to get out and to, uh, you know, ch- chat with your buddies and bench race a little bit about the rides that you've been on and those sorts of things. And we see this as an opportunity to gather like-minded motorcyclists together and uh, a good reason for us to share with them not only the new motorcycles that we have planned for the year, but also all of the things that we have, all the activities, events, rides, ways that people can get involved in order to enjoy their motorcycle, not just own it and look at it in the garage, but get out and use it. Um, I've never heard the phrase bench race. <laughs> what what? <laughs> yeah, what is like that? What is, what is bench? Like the, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it's, it's like the fishing store. You know, you think about when guys talk about, you know, uh, you know how big the fish is that they caught. Yeah. It's the same thing <laughs> in the world of motorcycling. Yeah, you know, this corner I pulled out of and I did a cross-up ah. wheelie on this or I dragged my knee in the corner at ah, this end. okay. You know, and there, there's probably like some sliver of truth to some of that. Right, uh, right. But, you know, everyone's everyone has fun talking about their experiences. And as a motorcyclist, you know, it's not just a matter of keeping it to yourself, but sharing it. And uh, that environment gets those people together that might not have seen each other in a while. And it's great because I – I see people at these events that uh, connect in person here and then go out and become riding buddies. And, you know, an opportunity for us to help build the motorcycling community is just a fringe benefit that comes as a result as well. If there is not a podcast called Bench Racing, I'm going to start it. <laughs> I mean, I think my podcast might be a an audio bench racing. <laughs> it's really a great phrase. Um, 
let's let's talk about that tour. San Francisco, Los Angeles tonight, Texas, Arizona, yeah. Florida, New York, Boston, Philly, Denver, Seattle. It's it's like a rock tour, and that's something that you're heading up yourself. Like who you got? You've got six or seven bikes there, right? You've got. Let me here. I got the list. Street Fighter V4 SP2, Multistrada V4 Rally, Panigale V4R, uh, Diavol. Is that how you pronounce it? V4. Yes. Monster yes. SP, Scrambler Night Shift, which I've driven all of these bikes or the, the old versions, the 22s. They're all fantastic. Yep. This is a chance for you to show up. You know, Bike Shed Moto is a very, it's kind of, I've heard it described as the Soho House of Motorcycle Clubs, like a membership only club, but a lot cooler. Uh, tell everybody just about that space yet. Have you toured it? Yes, actually, we did the very first event there, the very first uh, bike shed event before they were officially open wow. last mm -hmm. year with our Ready for Red. It was like a little bit of a private, uh, well, it's a private event I uh, that right. anybody can go online and register for, but uh, we hosted it there. And the event, the, the space is spectacular. I mean, the mm -hmm. owners, Dutch mm -hmm. and Vicky, are uh, hardcore motorcycle enthusiasts, loyalists to the mm -hmm. world of motorcycling. And I think they're doing something great because it's not just a matter of it being a cool club to be a part of and hang out. And it, there are parts of it that's open to the public, but it's really a chance for motorcyclists to have a place to hang out. Uh, I mean, amazing food, great service, some cool gear in there as well. Yep. But it's kind of like this neutrally branded motorcycle space, uh, which I think people really appreciate. I mean, mm -hmm. even as a motorcyclist myself, I go Meet, meet up with friends there, and and uh, like I said, they're they're both the owners are motorcyclists themselves, so they understand what makes us tick, and they appeal to that, which I think is really important as opposed to it just being a big company, you know, thinking there's a way to capitalize on the enthusiasm of us. It's these these people live it, and I think that's a that's a great thing that Los Angeles has. You know, this is their second location. The first one, I believe, is based in London, yep. never been there, but uh, they've done a great job so far. And with it being a, about almost a year under their belt, uh, it's a great time for them to open and, and really ride the wave of what we're doing in the world of motorcycling with communities and, uh, and the culture yep. associated. No, it sounds amazing. I mean, Dutch has been on the show. I think he was on the show a year before they opened up. And uh, I remember being super excited about the space and then, you know, pandemic, Yes, and, and, <laughs> and I, oh, yeah. then I had forgotten until I heard about your event down there. Um, but it, it sounds amazing. Do you get to ride the bikes down there at all, or are we just looking at them and hearing about them from you and other Ducati reps? I mean, it, it's actually a well. It's not a. It's not a matter of test rides. These bikes, most of them are pre-production. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not. A lot of these bikes aren't even in uh, in the production planning phase or the, in the production status yet for North America. So it's from seven to nine, uh, pretty much every night across the country. And, you know, the first half hour or so is just a matter of people mingling their way in, uh, chatting everybody up, food and drink and those sorts of things mm -hmm. to kind of lubricate the environment. And then, uh, and then I kick off with a, with a presentation and, uh, I present for probably a good solid half hour plus and talk about the new bikes and everything that we've got up our sleeves for the new year. You know, because Ducati, it's not just a bike. I mean, they're spectacular bikes, as I know you've spent many a, many a, a day riding them. Uh, but it's the things that we get to do on the bikes and outside of just being the owner. You know, what yeah. are we doing in the world of racing? Mm -hmm. What are we doing in the world of traveling and off-road and adventure and building the motorcycling community? Because there's nothing worse than owning something that just is a garage queen. Right. Uh, you know, I... I cringe when I see people have a 10 year old beautiful motorcycle and they, you know, <laughs> brag about having a thousand miles on it. It's yeah. like, that's not something to be proud of, but it's okay. I mean, all things to all people, but I'm a rider. Yeah. So that's, we want to get people out there riding. Have you ever thought, you know, maybe of doing uh, something at one of your events like Altamont, like the biker stomping a fat guy, like outside the Rolling Stones? <laughs> like a tribute uh, to the I, fat guy that was stomped at Altamont. Do you ever think? <laughs> yeah, we, it hasn't come to mind. It hasn't come to uh, mind. All right. I appreciate, appreciate you bringing it up, but I think it might be low on the list of, uh, of what we'll do in the future, but. 
Good you idea. Know, I was reading your uh, bio, and I was uh, very impressed with uh, one piece of it. And I think you probably know that you have you worked your way up from the parts counter at the Colorado Ducati dealership. How many Ducati dealerships are there in Colorado, by the way? Uh, there are five today. Five today. Uh, back th- yeah, five today. Back then, I think that we had when I got into the business, there were three. They were and uh, and, you and were I was you know I I was in northern Colorado is in the outside of the town of Fort Collins. Oh okay, and I know exactly were, where that is. Okay, perfect. So college town, you know, just about yep. an hour north of Denver. And we used to ski and, up there. Um, yeah, so I was a you know I uh, went to school there and decided after uh, after a struggling career as a, attempting to be a professional touring musician, uh-huh. which maybe is where I got the touring gene from. Mm-hmm. Um, that I said, you know, I'm going to follow my other passion in life, and that was motorcycling. Okay. And I went into the dealership, and I talked to the <laughs> owner at the time, and I just said, hey, I'm interested in working for the motorcycling industry. And he, I remember him mentioning, my partner's guy just left to join the Navy. You interested? And I thought, well, <laughs> I guess there's a, there's a foot in the door. Let's do it. <laughs> and I just – Worked it's an, my way up from there. It's an incredible story. Yeah, and I just worked my way up from the parts counter. You know, no disrespect, but it kind of in the middle of nowhere, Ducativille of Colorado. Yeah. It's an incredible story. So uh, tell everybody, because we, you know, we have a lot of young uh, uh, guys, especially kind of listening and a, co- a lot of folks in college. You're at the parts counter of a Ducati dealership. What's the next stepping stone? Like, what's the next step? that's leading you towards being the CEO of North America Ducati? Well, it was interesting at that moment, that wasn't like a clear, that wasn't a very clear objective. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to do that. I just knew that I wanted Mm -hmm. to be in the business and I wanted to find my place. What I found is that, especially at that time, you know, there was, it's a, it was a different generation, a different era of motorcycle dealerships. And I saw so much opportunity. I saw a way to be able to just take care of people, be an enthusiast myself share that, that, that passion for motorcycling with other people. And what was happening is this little tiny motorcycle dealership that I was working at started developing a reputation. And it was because of not only myself, but the other people that I worked with. And we created this little cult following. And the next thing you knew, people were coming to us from all over the, the, the Midwest and all over the state to come there and buy Ducatis because they knew that we lived what we talked about. We loved it. You know, we were out doing rides. We were taking our clients on rides with the bikes i would throw them the keys to mine and say check out what the suspension feels like and and then i realized that there was other opportunity because there weren't a lot of people strangely enough in the motorcycle industry that were doing that that were following in that and that following their their passions and putting that enthusiasm into it because it becomes infectious right you know you get you get excited about something you want to share it with somebody you don't just want to hoard it to yourself and uh I got a, I, there was an opportunity, a company had recruited me to, to go work for them. And I called up the then CEO of Ducati North America. And I said, Hey, this company is offering for me to come and do this position for them. What do you think? And he's like, if you're going anywhere, come to work for me. And I didn't even think twice, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, okay. And I saw that as a way to work my way up and through. And, uh, I've tried to always stay grounded in, you know, how I started. And I think that's important being a motorcyclist first and then serving people at the dealership. And the, you know, strangely enough that, that role of a parts guy is the best because you're working with the clients directly. You're working with the service team. You're Mm -hmm. working, you're working with all of the departments and you're, you're this interesting like lubrication that makes everything work together or not. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And because of that, I learned a lot. I mean, I used to take, parts catalogs of microfish home and study them and uh, very, I mean, almost <laughs> to the point of being uh, a, a little overkill, but, but you, know, you loved it. Well. You loved it. What did yeah. you study in college? Uh, I originally went to school for journalism, interestingly enough. Uh, and then when I realized that I didn't want to write like a sixth grader, Yep. Um, I decided that uh, <laughs> I decided that that wasn't my that wasn't going to be my direction, and so I ended up uh, moving towards the world of business. You know, but candidly, I never finalized my degree because I ended up trying to make a go of uh, rock and roll. 
It's a common and, story. Uh, it's a common yeah. story. You're talking yeah. to a guy who did the same thing. I've I found I, mean, I found my place in entertainment, and I never looked back. I never even at college yeah. didn't wrap it up. It's, yeah, and it, I went to school a couple other times later on, thinking that I needed it. And you know, I but I I was also I don't know if I fear this way, but I wanted to learn what I wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. And all the other core, which I'm sure gives you a well-rounded education, just was kind of boring to me at the time. And so I, I said, yeah, I'm going to put my energy into the things that I want to do. And I'm happy to hear that you found the same path. You know, it sounds like you're bringing that passion for experience, you know, experiential motorcycle events to a national level. Right. And that's what this tour is all about. It's 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 kind of doing away with kind of the stagnant dealership, right, with the guy behind the counter just trying to sell and giving folks a lifestyle that comes along with their motorcycle. You're, you're absolutely right. In fact, the thing that is great about this is it's not just for, you know, the clients or the prospects of Ducati, but, you know, we have our dealership personnel from all over these areas come as well. Mm-hmm. And the event that we had in San Francisco a couple nights ago, I, you know, I had some of the guys from a dealership up in Santa Rosa just so enthusiastic, so on fire and said, God, no other manufacturer does anything like this. We're so excited to be part of Ducati. And, you know, if, if I can give them that, and they could take that back to their local dealership and they could, you know, speak with that same level of enthusiasm, then, you know, we've succeeded because, you know, I, if I just came where we do a little rah, rah, and then move on mm-hmm. and it's forgotten, mm-hmm. then that's, then what's the point? We, we need it. We need that to stay. So this is one of the reasons why, you know, I don't, we don't hire somebody on the outside. It's either myself or our marketing director, who's just as enthusiastic as I am, that do these. Um, and I do probably, I'm, I'm going to end up at that about 10 of the 18 that we have in North America, just because I have some other responsibilities I have to try and manage as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, when you're out there and you're the one that's leading uh, at the, you know, the helm of the ship, there's an authenticity to it that can't be replicated by hiring someone just to come in and do a stand in as an MC. We live it. Yep. You know, they dropped off a Street Fighter V2 in my garage yesterday. And uh, so I've heard. As you know, I love this brand. And when I get on these bikes, I always have these moments of, oh, <laughs> either it's a sound yeah. when the engine is warm or just the way that it turns in a canyon and just the way the bike feels. Um, Tell me about this V2. This is the entry model, uh, most street-friendly uh, bike that you make, right? Um, yeah, it's an interesting way to use the word entry. Yeah, uh, I know, and it doesn't look anything. Power, it doesn't look anything yeah. like that. <laughs> and I, no, I opened up the garage this morning, went, "My God!" and got on it and, and popped around the neighborhood without a helmet for a minute, and went, "Oh, this is going to be a fun weekend." But but tell yeah, me, what it, is there anything new about this Street Fighter? Well, the, the beauty about the Street Fighter V2 is the fact that it, it basically carries on that lineage and the tradition of the Ducati twin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's been some V4S, which is an incredible motorcycle, mm-hmm. and the V4 power plant is, a, I mean, just a beast. Uh, but this, it has this kind of visceral, low-end torque and grunt that you can only get in the twin. I mean, despite, and our V4 motors are spectacular, but it's just a different experience. Uh, and I love this engine. In fact, you know, on the track, um, the twins personally are within my sweet spot because I like a motorcycle where I can just kind of wring its neck just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can really get on the throttle. You can get up to that higher RPM. Mm-hmm. You can pound through the gears, and especially on a track, of this engine uh, is spectacular for that. And it has that more, that grunt, that visceral feeling, as I was saying, versus uh, the 4, which has, it's very smooth, very linear, beautiful delivery of power. This is a little bit more analog, a little bit more raw Mm. uh, in its feeling, which I love that character. I mean, both of them have excellent applications, but this is actually set up to be even a little bit more street-oriented as well. So the suspension is sprung a bit more compliant for the street, which, you know, the surfaces, especially as driving in L.A. as I was doing this morning, you Mm -hmm. know, are quite varied. Uh, unfortunately, it's a bit more compliant when it comes to uh, all those varying surface changes. 
So it's nice in that regard. Uh, the riding position, the way that the seat and handlebar and that whole configuration is set up is a little bit more comfortable. You're, I, by no means is it upright, but it's much. It's you're sitting upright more so than you would on the V4 or obviously mm-hmm. on the Pentagalli version of it. So I think it makes you a little bit more attentive and aware of your surroundings when you have a little bit more visibility around. Uh, and it's just, it's really probably a more, and dare I say, I really not like to use this word in the world of motorcycling, but a more practical application to the street mm-hmm. than, let's say, the V4. The V4, really, it comes alive and it shines when you've got those big open roads. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're blasting this up the Malibu Canyon or you're taking it to the rock store or the roads around here, or even up to Angeles crest, this is a bike where you really feel like you can lug the motor a little bit and get that grunt coming out of the corners. And, uh, that's for me, that's what makes this motorcycle so much fun. Well, this afternoon I will be, uh, hooning it up sunset Boulevard, splitting lanes with two tennis rackets on my back trying to beat traffic and get to the courts on time. Not exactly the cool motorcycle destination, but I am so excited about that ride. Um, Ducati deliveries in 2022, surpassing the 60,000 bike mark for the first time in the brand's history. A total of 61,562 motorcycles delivered to customers around the world in 2022. Jason Chinnick, the chief executive officer of Ducati North America, is got got to get some of that credit. Got to get some of the credit, and uh, it's a pleasure meeting you, sir. Uh, it, it, so much fun pleasure. having I'm, you on the I podcast. Um, and and come by in person next time you're in town. And uh, I got to get my my ass out to one of these events. It's uh, it sounds you got like it. Fun. It's a fair trade. Yeah, I'll I'll be there in person. I'd love to do it in person. I, I get a chance to listen to your show myself and i really oh, enjoy great. the banter that's great uh with all with your team and i actually know johnny from a previous life ah well that's so. unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> it's okay he'll probably say the same about me so it's okay i'll tell him you had said hello yeah. all right yeah we'll do how about that hey pretty interesting guy you know what i realized we just we never talked about the rivian suv oh yeah we we have it here we do do you want to talk about it yeah. quickly, or yeah, do you yeah. want to give it more time? No, let's talk about it, because we talked about it like for two seconds last time. Um, okay, let's talk about it. It's good. I I, I prefer the truck. This uh, is a press SUV. Press SUV. My okay. son, uh, Richard, prefers the SUV. I he, prefer the SUV. He likes to sit in the back row. Right. Uh, the truck, just, it just feels more substantial, but... Um, it also, and again, I want to do over because it was, it was like in the forties when this happened, but I was driving up Angeles Crest in a spot that I know I've taken in the, my truck many times. This thing like slid, like big slide, rear end sliding out type thing. And I've heard other people mention that it does this, but that said it was like in the forties when that happened. And then when I got higher up, it got down to the thirties and it was really kind of all over the place. I actually took it out of sport mode. There was a little ice and stuff like that, but it was even on the non-icy part. But then I took it off-roading. There's a semi-decent trail up there that's been really heavily water damaged. And I mean, they're as good off-road as anything you can buy. They're just, the Rivians are just, the the four motors for off-roading is a game changer. Uh, The 15 inches of ground clearance is four more than you get in a Jeep you know, uh, uh, Wrangler Rubicon. I mean, it's just, it's just an unstoppable beast off-road. Wow. So it's awesome. Does it's the really weight awesome. help it when it, you know, it's a heavier vehicle? It would hurt it. It would hurt it, but it's, it, it compensates by having, you know, 908 pound feet of torque available at zero. So in other words, if you have, a, a, I don't know, a TRX, Ram TRX, you gotta like floor it to make torque. Right. And then you gotta immediately jump on the brakes. And so you're dancing back and forth with your left and right foot with an electric, especially if you're in like rock crawl mode or whatever, it's just programmed to like keep applying the torque and it just magically figures it out. The each, each wheel knows what it's doing. You know, it's not like, you know, it kind of knows the, what it's sending to a differential. It's splitting it out. It's like each wheel has its own motor. It's just a game changer of an off-road vehicle. It's absolutely incredible. And then, you know, yeah, it hauls ass 
on a road, which like a Jeep never will, never could, never has, you know, maybe the 392 does, but, um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's very, it's still very impressive in that regard. I just think the truck rides and handles better. And, uh, maybe that's 16 inches of wheelbase. Maybe they developed it longer. They're still updating the SUV quite a bit. Um, but, uh, overall very good. And I would, I would happily own, uh, both. If I if I put a blindfold on you and put you in both vehicles, would you be able mm. to tell the difference? Uh, without looking in the rearview mirror, there's only one giveaway. If driving, yes. If I was driving them blindfolded, which is a bad thing to do, but <laughs> there's one little giveaway. What would you notice on the um, the 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 button that you push on the left stock to spritz the windshield? Uh-huh. Because the SUV has a rear windshield wiper, there's a second button. But driving. Oh, uh, Would you notice any driving characters? Yeah, the, the ride quality on the truck is better. It, 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 it better. Yeah, in what yeah. way? Like, it's just a smoother ride. It's, it's just a smoother really? ride. Yeah, because it's it's sixteen inches more wheelbase. So when you, when something hits a tire, you know, it, mm-hmm. take, it takes longer to reach the the tire on the opposite end of the vehicle, and it's just you know that's just long wheelbase vehicles always ride better. It's like a two door versus a four door Jeep, right? You know, just it, the four-door. I liked it. I mean, when you had it by the studio last week, I, I sat down and I went, oh, this is you know, I you had should, that little moment of I I'd really like this. You would <laughs> if you like. I don't, if, I don't like the. Ch- I, I want more miles to the charge but i would certainly uh trade that in for uh, trade my defender in for something like that since you hate uh off-road tires and you like street i tires, don't hate them on street tires 328 miles on a charge which is pretty oh that's good. not bad yeah that's pretty good that's and, not bad you know when it came out remember it was 314 they released a software update which the epa said it makes it go from 314 to 328 so the mileage increase and is it honest does it go down yeah it's pretty honest it's, it's better than tesla not as good as mercedes right, but it's right. i would say it's within five percent wow i also look i drive at 80 miles an hour on the freeway i don't drive at 65 right so if you drive at 65 it'll probably be bang on but at 80 you know you're charging more often there you go so well, that's a show, gentlemen. Excellent. We've done it. Yeah. Um, we uh, we sold our tires to James, one of the listeners who showed up. Thank you. Uh, in the illegal Johnny Lieberman cast shirt and was very proudly uh, wearing it. But thanks to you, James, for coming by and uh, buying those tires. We wish you many happy drives in them. And uh, for you folks who are at home or on your morning drive or in the workshop or on a plane or in Switzerland crossing some dangerous mountain we'll see you next week on spikes car radio next week by the way the entire show will be ai so (laughs) enjoy that oh i want the ai zuckerman (laughs) (laughs) oh god i need that i'll get to work right thanks for listening to spikes car radio brought to you by hangar 56 Listen to new episodes every Wednesday and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.